Welcome. This is jazz just the way we like it. My name is Alfonso Severos, and this is my weekly jazz podcast recorded live at Brick Arts in downtown Brooklyn, the People's Republic of Brooklyn. We play those classic jazz songs from the 1950s, the 1960s, and the 1970s. And every now and then we play some of the modern stuff. We also discuss politics and social issues. We play songs that I listened to as a young man growing up right here in Brooklyn in the Marcy Projects. And here I am now playing these same songs for your pleasure. And also to introduce to a younger generation that fabulous creative art form known as jazz. I'm in the studio as always with my co-host and longtime friend, 65 plus years, folks, uh, Lawrence Williams. Hey, Larry, what's up, good buddy? All right, what's happening, bro? Fonz, how are you, man? How are you good. doing today? I feel good, man. How are you? <coughs> I have, everything's good. Everything's good. Yeah, man, this is uh, 152, episode 152, brother. Here we go. <laughs> yeah, man, we've been playing a lot of jazz over the years. Yeah, I, I hope people really enjoy it. I, I know I do. Yeah, same here. Same here. You know, and uh, we've discussed a lot of social and political issues because we always take time out, folks, to have our voice heard. And not only do we do that, we always start our podcast out with either a song a poem, something that speaks to the issue of social justice. And uh, we're going to continue that. And today, we are doing a poet. And uh, Amanda Gorman, you may know her from the election. And this is a poem that she shared at the United Nations on unity. So here's Amanda Gorman on a poem about unity. How can I ask you to do good when we've barely withstood our greatest threats yet? The depths of death, despair, and disparity, atrocities across cities, towns, and countries, lives lost, climactic costs, exhausted, Angered, we are endangered, not because of our numbers, but because of our numbness. We're strangers to one another's perils and pain, unaware that the welfare of the public and the planet share a name. Equality doesn't mean being the exact same, but enacting a vast aim, the good of the world to its highest capability. The wise believe that our people without power leaves our planet without possibility. Therefore, though poverty is a poor existence, complicity is a poorer excuse. 
We must go the distance. Though this battle is hard and huge, though this fight we did not choose for, preserving the earth isn't a battle too big to win, but a blessing too large to lose. This is the most pressing truth that our people have only one planet to call home and our planet has only one people to call its own. We can either divide and be conquered by the few, or we can decide to conquer the future and say that today a new dawn we wrote, say that as long as we have humanity, we will forever have hope together. We won't just be the generation that tries, but the generation that triumphs. Let us see a legacy where tomorrow is not driven by the human condition, but by our human conviction. And while hope alone can't save us now, with it, we can brave the now because our hardest change hinges on our darkest challenges. Thus, may our crisis be our cry, our crossroad, the oldest ode we owe each other. We chime it for the climate, for our communities. We shall respect and protect every part of this planet, hand it to every heart on this earth until no one's worth is rendered by the race, gender, class, or identity they were born. This morn, let it be sworn that we are one human kin, grounded not just by the griefs we bear, but by the good we begin. To anyone out there, I only ask that you care before it's too late, that you live aware and awake, that you lead with love in hours of hate. I challenge you to heed this call. I dare you to shape our fate. Above all, I dare you to do good so that the world might be great. Wow. Wow, Amanda Goodman. Larry, how'd you like that poem? Oh, man, it's beautiful. And um, oh, the way that she enunciates. <laughs> I mean, it's, it's she's so articulate. Uh, man, it's beautiful. I, I like listening to her. I mean, I, I was just, I was mesmerized by by the words. You know, I, yeah. I really was mesmerized by the words. And, and how she pronounced yeah. them. That was the message before the General Assembly of the United Nations. I believe it was the General Assembly. I know it was before the United Nations uh -huh. where she spoke about the need for unity in addressing some of the basic issues that we are confronted with. It's, I'm always impressed when I see young people uh, willing to make a stand, willing to make statements in, by whatever form it may be on issues of social justice. I was last night at Brick Arts, that's where we are now, but I was here last night for the Bri poetry, the Brooklyn Poetry Slam, and it was over 400 young, basically young folks, man, and they were some really, really good poets. Well, to me, everybody in the place was young. Well, definitely everybody in there was younger than me. Well, anyway, but I still had a great, 
great time. Did you get a chance to do any of your poetry? No, 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 no. I, 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 Why not? Because I didn't sign up for it. Oh, okay. But maybe one day I might. Oh, not I one day, do it, man. You no, got some I, great stuff out there. No, don't, I, I got to write a poem for this crowd. Yeah. So it has to have a certain tempo, a certain beat. It has to be a spoken but you word. But are, you, are, you are plugged in, man. Yeah. You are plugged into Brooklyn. You're yeah. plugged into what's happening. Yeah, I will. I'm sorry. I don't mean to no, go no, off. But I, I, when I see something good, I'm going to say it. I'm Folks, gonna... if we have a new host next week, you know who <laughs> co-host that is. Anyway. <laughs> anyway, I was amazed. And here's a few things that amazed me. The poets that got up there was 90% males. Wow. I, th- I thought it would be females. Yeah. And I think maybe one poem was about love. All the rest was about community and social issues. And there was young people speaking to it. You know, either were the questions of, of immigrants and the immigrant experience, <coughs> questions of living in the Bronx, all these issues that people were not only conscious of, but willing to put it in the art form of spoken word. Wow. I, I deeply appreciate it. Mm, I, could, I, could, I could dig it, man. Yeah, I, I should have called you, man. You know, I, I went there with two friends. Yeah. I uh, should have gave you a call, man. But uh, anyway, uh, that was Amanda uh, Gorman. She has made her name for herself. And you're right, she has a, a style that's, that's definite. Yeah, yeah. Know, she, I, she, I really enjoyed that. Yeah. yeah. And she has this, this clear pronunciation. That's the thing. That's the thing that yeah. I'm. That's what. I, that's what I was in. I was wow. I was amazed, and, and I was listening to every single word. Yeah, yeah. You know, that's where she drew me. She drew me to every. She knows how to emphasize yeah. the correct word and the correct tempo. Yep. Mm. In the presentation. Yeah. Oh man, uh, folks, amazing. If you're not, if you haven't heard or read any of her stuff. Please do. You can always Google and there's stuff online. All right, man. You know, we always talk about some social justice issue or some political topic. And uh, recently we just finished the, uh, two Republican, one Republican caucus and one Republican primary, uh, the caucus in Iowa and the primary in New Hampshire. And... Uh, as you know by now, uh, that man, Donald Trump, won both. Larry, what's the takeaway from these two events? Um, you know, it's, it's basically uh, uh, showing exactly what the polls are showing right now, that he's, the, you know, he's in ahead of everybody in his party. He has just, there's, there's only one other challenger to him right now, uh, and... Uh, she is, I, I don't think that she's ever going to catch him. Uh, she's not strong enough to catch him uh, or even surpass him or worse, surpass him, but catch him. I don't think that she can do it because she does, the issues uh, that she has are somewhat in line with what he has and she doesn't have the uh, uh, the personality that he has in terms of yeah. Of of capturing an audience the way that he does, um, he captures his audience by his bully style. You know, um, that's what certain people like about him is the fact that he is a bully. 
Yeah. And uh, that means that <clears throat> because he's a bully, to them, he's a stronger. He's stronger. He, yes. Because usually the bully is the strongest one in the in the group, usually, until he gets until they get knocked down. Uh, and I've seen that happen in my lifetime, where somebody's been bullied for long enough until somebody gets tired of being bullied, and they stand up to that person, or and they, um, then it becomes something else. Yeah, I thought that Iowa had some very interesting results, and you're right, he won, but the margin of victory was not as great as it should have been for a former president. Now, you know, he got uh, uh, 56% of the re, uh, Republicans in the caucus, and Haley got 46%. So the spread was not that great. Right. Um, and so it does show a little bit of weakness. Now, you know, he pulled very heavily with the, what is it, the evangelist vote? Yeah. And there was a whole movement about with the evangelists that were spearheaded by these pastors that were saying that Donald Trump is God's answer to make America right again. And he's eating it up. Yeah, and I mean, he, he would definitely do that. But uh, you mentioned 53 and 46, and I'm, I'm... 56 and 46. I'm sorry, 56 and 46. And uh, 56 and 46. Yeah. Okay. That's not like, you know, a little over 5,000 people voted in the uh, Iowa caucus. Okay. So, you know, it's not big. Iowa has about 3 million people. But that's over 100% if it's 56 or 46. Yeah. Over yeah. 100%? No, that's the, the number of a percentage of people who voted. Oh, okay. Right. That's not, that's not the whole entire. Oh, okay. That's okay. just the percentage of people who voted. Okay. Now, Iowa has about 3 million people. Yeah. You know, mainly Republican. Yep. But we have three million people just in Brooklyn. Yeah, uh, exactly. <laughs> yeah. Well, well so, but it's not, <laughs> but the election is not based on on, on, know, on population. I know, so I, I know, but know. it does it does tell something about po popularity. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. yeah it does. Now the thing also, but what with it, New Hampshire is that he. Uh, once again, did not win by the kind of margin that, that... Yeah, I was curious about that. What what percentage did he get in uh, New Hampshire? I don't remember. Uh, but is he coming up on him or no? It was like 54-43. Okay. 54% Trump, 43 for Haley. Yeah. Uh, and it should have been much more, considering he's an ex-president, considering he's without a doubt the favorite. Now, the the thing is... These were Republicans, so he's going to get the majority of Republican voters. There's no doubt about that. Right. You know, Haley is hope, hoping on two things, that she shows a good showing in South Carolina, which is her home state. Right. That can keep her in it. And somewhere down the line, that man gets indicted, and the Republicans turn on him. Yeah. And then she becomes the front runner. Right. But she has to do well in, in South Carolina in order for that. Not well, but she has to do. To continue. Do, in, yeah, yeah, to continue. And, but, continue and get support and but money. But if she doesn't win South Carolina, and that's a home No, she's state, not going to win. I'm not saying that she will, but yeah. I'm saying that if she doesn't win, 
and that's a home state. That's not really a good look. It's not really a good look well, for her. She's not a strong candidate. I, I agree. I yeah, agree 100%. Yeah. But I'm just saying, even, yeah. you know, that that's that's something that, that has to be looked at as well, is, is her strength in a home state. Uh, well, you look, when she was governor, she had an opening in the Senate. And she gave it to this guy who was not known much out of outside of the state, Tim Scott. Yeah, she gave it to a black dude. Yeah. Yeah. Tim Scott endorsed Trump. Yep. He's a Republican. I know. Well, so is she. Yeah. But she she's running she's running for oil. She's running. No, but I'm him. just saying. I'm just saying his loyalty. To oh, the, to, oh, to, yes. To the person who got him in this position that he would have never got. Yeah. You know, because he's playing to Trump, and hopefully, he uh, will get a position in the cabinet. And when in 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 New Hampshire, Trump made a fool of him. Trump made a joke of the fact that she appointed him. And uh, he uh, supported him. Yeah, it, the, that he, is that is like dirty politics, but he looked, he looked, but it's politics. Tim Scott looked really bad. Yeah, and Trump didn't care. So that's that's where it's at, folks. We're going to see where this goes, South Carolina. But most of the people will say that one thing will put a halt to this Trump machine indictments if he if he loses some major courts and he's been losing some of the big battles uh he's not going to get he even if they even if he gets the nomination he's not going to go nowhere because the one thing he cannot win the white house with just republican vote <laughs> he has to have a portion, a good portion of independence. And independents are not necessarily Republican. And they're necessarily, you know, from what the, the, the statistics show, they're not going to support somebody who has a, you know, convicted felon. They're just not going to do that. Yeah, but I think, for, like you said, I mean, he has to be convicted of one of these things that is a felony before that, that occurs. Yeah. So far... There hasn't been any convictions. There's been indictments. There's been indictments yeah, well, he galore. Lost, he's, everything that, that went the distance is lost. Yeah. So yeah, in the next couple of months, stuff is going to happen. Right, right. I'm, I'm, I'm agreeing with that. I'm just saying that at this point, it's not there. It's not there. And I'm just <laughs> curious. I guess it's because he has great lawyers. Why it's taking so long and no, no, not long. because his lawyers is great that great. It's just that's how the process. That's takes. the process. Yeah, that's yeah. just the process. And when the, in these kinds of cases, yeah, you know, uh, it's it's not something that happens overnight. Uh, you know, our legal system is a very slow system. I mean, you got for certain people. Well, it's slow for for even the the, the common person who's picked up for and accused of a crime. He can sit in Rackers Island up to a year, yeah. two years, and never go to court. That's true, too. So what do they do? They flea bargain on some time, even if they have innocent. Yeah, you mean plea bargain, but yeah. Yeah. So, so the system across the board is a slow system. Here's the thing. Biden needs to make this election a question of choice. 
not a judgment on his record. The more Donald Trump puts his foot in his mouth, and if you've been following the stuff this man's been saying, it's absolutely crazy, and he's mixing up stuff, you know. The more he puts his foot in his mouth, and that becomes the issue, and not necessarily people's disagreement with Biden's policy, because Biden has an issue uh, with young and black folks over the... uh, Student loan thing. Student loan and... Uh, the war in uh, the Gaza. Um, yeah, but those you are know, the two, yeah, those are two major things. That, I, I that, think that Gaza will will come to some conclusion before the election. I know that they're trying. Yeah, I, because I it's a very important political issue now. Yeah. So, um, but we'll see, folks. This is uh, we cannot have that crazy man back in office, Donald Trump. Because the stuff he's talking about doing will just turn the country upside down. It will no longer be a democracy when he gets through yeah, it. Yeah, but he's, you know, and he has these, cra- we got crazy Republicans in office, and we got crazy Republicans in the House that want to do away with, like, Social Security, do away with any social programs. They have, they have this notion of what government should be. And that's a notion that goes back to the wild, wild west, each on his own. And these days, across this planet, government serves a, a greater function uh, in providing for some basic services. Uh, but we are, you know, unless things change, man, and, and Biden gets it together, Biden can lose it if people don't show up to vote. And that's the issue with blacks. And that's the issue with young people over the war and student loans. So that's why the more he wants to say, hey, let's don't go deal with my record. Let's deal with either me or the crazy guy. Uh, but people have a, you have a hard time voting for Biden when it's an issue of conscience. And that's what Gaza is about, the conscience. Man. Yeah, Gaza is definitely about conscience. And yeah. uh, that's a rough one. Yeah. All right, Larry, <clears throat> man. Uh, let's get to some jazz, brother. All right. Yeah, we're doing some creative jazz artists today, folks. Dewey Redman and Jackie McLean, two folks who, who march to the beat of their own music. We're uh, going to start out with... a. Uh, Dewey Redman, a piece by Dewey Redman. Dewey Redman was a tenor sax player born in 1931, passed away in 2006. Uh, He was a creative sax player. He performed with the band of Arnett Coleman, Keith Jarrett, mainly played tenor sax. Uh, He got a bachelor's degree from Perry View, A&M University, went on to get a master's degree. You know, people think jazz musicians are not educated. Many of them had advanced degrees. Uh, And the music is complex. Even Reggie uh, Dooman, Dewey Redman, who played this free jazz style, the music is complex, and many of the music is written down. 
and you know these sections of it. And he was a, a, a component of free jazz with Ornette Coleman. And that's like the avant-garde movement in visual arts. Free jazz is an attempt, it was an attempt to break away from tradition, tra- tradition of jazz and create something entirely new. It's more, free jazz is more comfortable with improvisation. And that sound emerged, that sound was experimental, that sound was creative, unorthodox, and it was rebellious. So here's Dewey Redmond on a piece called We'll See. And the interesting about this piece is that there's only two musicians, him on sax and uh, Ed Blackwell on drums. So sit back and enjoy Dewey Redmond, free jazz, folks.
That's Dewey Redman on sax and Ed Blackwell on the drums in the 1980 from their 1985 album Red and Black. Free jazz, folks. Larry, what do you think? Yeah, it's beautiful, man. Once again, it's uh, free jazz and improvisational jazz. Uh, oh man, I used to love. To, I, I used to love to go to uh, one at Coleman's place uh, when he had a place in the uh, in Soho. And they would have jam sessions there. Um, Rashi Ali and people like that would be there, and they would just be playing avant-garde jazz, and, and it would be uh, just a, you know, people would just, I mean, musicians would just come and, and just jam. Uh, there was another place on uh, the Bowery called Tin Pan Alley where it's a bar, and people used to come, or musicians used to come there after, uh, you know, um, maybe after 10 o'clock, and they would just jam. It was another place that was really good in terms of improvisational jazz. But this Dewey Redmond has always been uh, improvisational uh, and avant-garde in, in, in his works. Yeah. Now, you know, he performed with Arnett Coleman from 1968 to 1972. Now, here's a little trivial thing. Both... Dewey Redmond and Arnett Coleman were in the same high school marching band <laughs> in Texas. Oh, wow. So they, they go back a long ways. Yeah, yeah. You know, what was so interesting about this piece, it was a structureless structure. So it, it what seemed like no boundaries had definite boundaries. Yes. But it, within those boundaries, there was this ability to free flow and create. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, so I look at it as a structuralist structure. Uh, and it was a, a perfect combination uh, in terms of in tune between a tenor sax and a drum. Yeah, yeah, I agree, I agree. It was just yeah. perfect, the way that they, had, they ran yeah. that. Dewey Redmond <clears throat> was true to his form. He, he stepped out of it here and there and played some modern jazz, but uh, that was his first love. Uh, so, folks, we are listening to playing two jazz giants, Dewey Redmond and Jackie McLean. And we're going to go play a piece by Jackie McLean, who was an alto sax player, alto band leader, and educator. Born in 1931, passed in 2006. He was born in New York City. His father was a musician, and so he always had musicians around him including some of the greats like Bud Powell, Theodorius Monk, and uh, Charlie Parker, all part of in and out of his life. What a lot of people don't know is that Jackie McLean, when he was 20 years old, he played on one of the Miles Davis' early albums called Dig when he was just 20 years old. He also played with Charlie Mingus. And here's a piece that he did uh, called... On the now, Jackie McLean, on the now. Sit back, enjoy. This has uh, Lee Morgan. 
Jackie McLean on the now with Lee Morgan. You know, Jackie McLean, I said earlier that he played with Miles Davis, but he also played with Sonny Rollins, he played with Charlie Mingus, and Yark Blakely and the Jazz Messenger. He had a unique style. His early works were more on the bebop style, and then he progressed into more modern jazz. Uh, but a smooth, smooth sax player. How you like him, Larry? Yeah, he's uh, he's really good. I, 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 I've heard him before, and, and I've always, uh, um, I, I think I had about two or three records that he had put out, or albums that he had put out at uh, in the 70s, and I always enjoyed listening to him. He, uh, uh, especially with uh, uh, Lee Morgan on this one, and I think Jack DeJunette is on this one as well. Yes, yes he is. And uh, man, this is really a nice piece. It's very smooth, like, you know, like a trip down the Nile, man. You know, I haven't been to Africa yet, but uh, you have, and I, oh, I yeah. could imagine how uh, listening to this might bring back that type of thing if you were on the Nile at some point. No, I didn't make it to uh, you, East you Africa. Oh, you didn't make it to East Africa. Oh, okay. I was only in West Africa. Oh, okay. So, uh, anyway, this is something uh, maybe on a bucket list item or whatever. But it, yeah. it sounds like, to me, the way that they played it, it, I felt like, you know, like I was on a on a boat and I was just, the, the water was so uh, smooth. Mm. There was no rough roughness to the water at all. It just drew me along. You know, I just I just yeah. went along with what was going on with the music. I loved it. That's cool. I'm glad it, it, it triggered those kinds of feelings and visualization. So that's uh, Jackie McLean. So we're, we're playing two creative artists today, uh, Dewey Redmond and Jack, Jackie McLean. So let's go back to a Dewey Redmond and play a piece by him called Seeds and Deeds. Seeds and Deeds. Uh, sit back and enjoy this one, folks. Dewey Redmond. Free jazz.
1974 explosive piece by Dewey Redmond and his group called Seeds and Deeds. Uh, I want to compare that to another one that Dewey Redmond just to show his versatility and style. And this is another piece Dewey Redmond did called Lazy Bird. And you can compare the two. The first one was definitely free jazz. Thank you. 
That's Dewey Redmond and his group on the al- from an album, Living on the Edge, and that's a piece called Lazy Bird, played in that bebop style. And if you listen, if you remember, the song I played prior to this was also Dewey Redmond on a free jazz style, C's and D's, and you can compare and hear the, the major difference between that free jazz style and that hard bop style. Also on that uh, free jazz song, C's and D's, there were Leroy Jenkins on that violin. Yeah, I like that. I like that violin. That violin <laughs> yeah. was just perfectly in into that uh, oh, yeah. arrangement. It oh, was yeah. perfect into yeah. that arrangement. He was ripping it, man. He was yeah. ripping it. How'd you like those pieces by uh, uh, Dooman? Yeah, I yeah, Dewey Redmond. Dewey, Dewey Redmond is really good. It's really good. Yeah. I mean, and, and I like the way that you compare the two. You know, yeah, I mean, you showed showed what to me is like. Um, uh, avant-garde and, and 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 traditional jazz, and I, in my mind, that's how I think yeah, of it. Yeah, well, I, I know that bebop is 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 a, is a genre, genre yeah, itself. Yeah. But to me, it's like tradition versus, uh, oh yeah, in, improv or, or oh, yeah. abstract. And and uh, I I love both. I love the way that it, way that it's structured. I like the way that the different instruments that are not normally used. Um, you know, the, the yeah. violin is not a typical instrument in jazz. Yeah, I know. But there are, uh, Leroy has been around for a while and has oh, yeah. played in a, a number of different groups and whenever he's in the, yeah. in the arrangement, it's always good. I know, and you, you would, the last place you would think him to be is into a free jazz avant-garde Yes, song. yes. But he held that, man. He made that violin sound not like a violin. Yeah, exactly, exactly, exactly. All right, folks, you know, we, we're moving on. We just played two songs by Dewey Redmond. Now we're going to go back to my man Jackie McLean. And here's a piece by Jackie McLean called Rainy Blues. <laughs> 
That's Jackie McLean uh, on a piece called Rainy Blues with uh, Sonny Clark, Art Taylor, and Butch Warren. Larry, we had to uh, play some pretty good artists, uh, and Dewey Redbit and Jackie McLean, man. How'd you like the podcast, good brother? Oh, yeah, this, this, this was beautiful, man. I loved, I, I loved the, uh, uh, the difference uh, be, between the improv and, and the, and the uh, traditional. It was so good. And that last one was really good, too. Yeah. I loved yeah. that, too. That was really nice. Yes, you know, the, when you talk about jazz sax players, man, they can play it so many different ways. Oh, yeah, oh, yeah. Such a variety. And that's, that's the, 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 one of the beauty of, of this, this, this genre called uh, jazz, mm-hmm. the versatility in it. Yeah, yeah. And, and it just leaves room for such creativity. Yeah, it does, and 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 Dewey and and uh, Jackie were were prime examples of of the versatility of 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 how that instrument can play the sax. Absolutely, brother. You know, it's so it's a it was a perfect perfect yeah. perfect afternoon. Yeah. Well, folks, I hope you guys enjoyed it as much as we did. You know, this is uh the thirty first, last day of January. Our next podcast, of course, next week will be in February. So I would like to thank you for listening uh, and spread the word. Let folks know that we do the podcast. Uh, And also, folks, you know, uh, what can I say? We do what we do. And I hope you enjoy what we do and how we do it. And uh, January was a cold month, man. Yeah, it was it was it's getting almost like winter, like New York yeah. winter. We would have had a little bit more snow back in the fifties. First snow we had in two years. Yeah, yeah, and so uh, you know, folks. I mean, like I saw that it was like sometimes it was uh, the average was like ten inches, and at the time when the t- the two inches showed up, we would have had ten inches by then. But it is what it is. That's this it, is New bro. York City, and, it's and climate the change. Yep, that that there you go. So, folks, man, you know, in honor of our two inches of snow (laughs) and our cold weather, uh, we're going to go out on a song that the best song I know about the cold, Ray Charles, Betty Carter. (laughs) Baby, it's cold outside. That's a great song. So, as always, folks, until the next time, peace and love. I've got to go away But it's cool out there This evening has been Been hoping that you drop in So very nice I'll hold your hand They're just like My ice. mother will start to Beautiful, worry. what's your hurry? And father will be pacing Listen to that fireplace roar. So really I better scurry Beautiful, please don't hurry well, maybe just a Why don't drink you put more. some records on while I pour And the neighbors might think Betty, it's bad out there 
Get over that old now. Oh, but it's cold. 